one of the most awkward and difficult things that Paul ever writes. And he just, you, you feel like he'll never get to it. He just keeps apologizing and stumbling over it. He says, I wish that you'd bear with me in a little foolishness. At this point, you're not even sure what he means by that. But what he means is, he feels like he's going to have to boast. Because only boasters get a hearing in Corinth. But oh, that's uncomfortable for Paul. He is not accustomed to brandishing his resume and reciting his credentials. It's just awkward and, and distasteful to him. He's embarrassed about this. You know, to draw attention to himself, to tell about accomplishments he's made, which is what you got to do to get the Corinthians to listen to you. But wow, he just doesn't like to talk like that. It just seems so foolish. So unwise. But he feels like his hand has been forced. Sometimes you've got to fight fire with fire. You think about, you know, how emergency situations might cause you to do things that you wouldn't otherwise do. You'll be out of a house fire. You might leave the house in a less modestly clothed situation than you would normally be in. And you would, you would rarely ever do that. But, but in a crisis, you might make some exceptions. And, and this is a crisis. They're, they're being, you know, snowed by these false teachers who are just constantly telling them how great they are. And and so, I mean, it's just necessary to, to boast. Uh, it's going to provide the Corinthians with ammunition to win some of their brethren away from their challengers. And, uh, you know, the difference between Paul and his opponents in Corinth is he admits that what he's doing is foolish. They do it as a matter of course. Now think about what he's saying about why he's doing this. He says, well, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. He's heard about a bad situation. It's going to cause him to have to abandon some of his boasting scruples. He's fearful for the purity of the bride after the betrothal. Paul kind of sees himself as the matchmaker who got the bride and groom, the prospective bride and groom together. And the bride, of course, is the people. The groom is Jesus. And so Paul arranged for them to develop this relationship and to be engaged. But he feels responsible to deliver the people, the church, as a pure bride to Christ. Got to keep the church pure between the betrothal and the wedding day. And their, their relationship with its, these false teachers is, is really creating concern about that. Paul's worried about Satan's influence. He mentions how Satan had deceived Eve by his craftiness. And there's a big danger that he's going to deceive this church from their purity and devotion to Christ. Paul sees Satan as very influential. He's very concerned about Satan's influence. And, uh, you know, he sees the Corinthians as prime targets for a, a snake attack. 
And, uh, you know, Eve was deceived and she lost her innocence. And, and if they're not careful, these brethren are going to go down the same road. And so he feels like he's just got to boast. It is so hard for him to boast. It is so awkward. It is just, ah, it's, it's just not, it's not something he feels good about at all. But what do you do? You, I mean, they're about to, they're about to cave into these false teachers. And besides that, he says in verse 4, For if one comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. Man, you are, you, you're so good at putting up with fools. He means that strongly, ironically. You know, you are just marvelously, marvelously, marvelously tolerant of these false teachers. And, and he realizes that pretty much bragging about who you are and what you've done is about the only way to get anybody to listen to you in Corinth. So he's employing the methods of these false teachers, but with a totally different motive. Not personal gain, but their own welfare. Now, what we're going to see in this chapter is Paul just keeps struggling with what he's about to do. He's about to boast. He's about to give his credentials. He's about to read off his resume. He's about to tell them about who he really is and all of his accomplishments. And it's just really hard to make himself do that. And what's going to be really funny is when he gets around to doing it, it's nothing like we expected. I mean, wow. You'll see it's almost the anti-resume when he finally does even do that. It's amazing for all of us. I mean, how many times, be honest, how many times in conversation do you kind of let drop some great thing you've done, some great accomplishment you've had. You know, and deep down, your motivation is to impress. Now, you don't say it that way. You just kind of, you know, offhandedly remark about something, but in your head, in your heart, I hope they're listening. I hope they noticed. Wonder what they think about me now. Don't we do that? You know, wow. And some of us do it really subtly. It sounds it sounds authentic. You know, it sounds like we're really not trying to boast. You know, we can be really pretty good about that. Pretty pretty skilled at that. But but I, I think what matters is what's in our heart. You know, we just want people to look up to us. We want to impress. We care too much about what other people think about us. And so th- this extreme awkwardness of Paul. I mean, you almost learn as much from just his attitude toward what he's about to have to do than you do from him doing it. Now, in verse 5 he says, For I consider myself not in the least inferior to the most eminent apostles. Now, when he uses that term, I do not believe he's referring to the twelve. I believe he's referring to the false teachers. Look over at chapter, at verse uh, 13. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of light. I think that's exactly what he's talking about. He's not talking about the, the twelve as the super apostles. He's talking about these opponents who proclaim themselves to be most eminent apostles. 
And he's using irony again. He says, you know, I believe I'm as good as they are. <laughs> They're not in the same league. But by, by saying that, kind of understating it, he draws attention to the fact, wow, if you want to talk about credentials and pedigree, they can't hold a candle to Paul. But he just said, well, I, I think I can keep up with them. Thoughts and comments on this? Right. Amen. So when he says, uh, you bear this beautifully, he's using, I guess, sarcasm? I think so. Irony, sarcasm, whatever, yeah. You know, it's just, you just, you just do, do such a wonderful job of putting up with these, you know, self-righteous braggarts. Yeah, we're, we're certainly not trying to somehow doctor up the gospel to make it show off our impressiveness or our intelligence. There are certainly deep things in the gospel. There are things that require a lot of study. But but sometimes we're trying to just artificially show ourselves off through the gospel somehow. We must not do that. Other thoughts? Joe. Good point. That's a good question. He asked if we have some thoughts about not being impressed by these kind of guys. Yeah, you know, we show our shallowness. In what impresses us? Really shows us what we seek. Would it be helpful if we really admired Jesus more? And and it's people like Jesus that we admire, not people like worldly stars. You know, I mean. Who do we admire in politics, in sports, in entertainment? I mean, aren't they pretty much the show-offs and the guys who really promote themselves and exalt themselves and, you know, impress with themselves and, you know, I mean, ball players that are humble, a lot of times we're not as impressed with the ball person, ball, ball player who just really 
really shows off, really shows himself out, just really, you know, there's something about us, we really like that kind of stuff. We're really impressed by it. But if we really treasure Jesus, and he's kind of our model, then we really come to value humility and simplicity. I mean, I, I remember, maybe this is inappropriate, but I don't think it is. Sometimes I think it may be helpful for us to have models. I uh, I just started preaching. I believe it was 1981. And you know, you're just trying to find yourself and figure out what, what are you trying to be like? And uh, the church right down the road, just, mm, I don't know, 15 minutes from my house, was having a gospel meeting with a guy I'd never heard of. You know, I mean, I hadn't heard of a whole lot of people. <laughs> you know, and I went like three times. I was like, you know, that is what I want to be like. Because it was biblical, it was clear, but it was very not showing off. It was very earnest and just like plain. It's like I didn't come away thinking, wow, he's a marvelous speaker or he's a bad speaker. I didn't come away thinking about his speaking. Come away thinking about the, the message. I was listening to Boyd Sellers. And, and, you know, people like that, who haven't tried to draw attention to themselves, who, who you don't, you're not around them and you're thinking, you know, wow, there, there, he's something, wow. No, you don't think that about Boyd, because he doesn't think that about himself. And that, that really, those kind of men appealed to me, because I felt like, you know, I believe that's what Christ is looking for. I was glad, so helpful to me, that I've been able to be around some people like that, that were good models, and that were the kind of men that, to me, that's what Jesus is saying. I struggled to be that, but I think it does help to respect that, and to look for that, and and to see those things as what matters. I don't know. Yes, Isaiah 53, 2, 3, 4, yeah, talking about how Jesus was not impressive. You know, he didn't come from an impressive place. He didn't have, you know, an impressive, uh, you know, background and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, the more we treasure Jesus and really see him, I think it'll help change our focus on who impresses us. Other thoughts, comments, questions? Yeah. Great point. Yeah, amen. The people that Jesus marveled at were not the impressive people. They were the people who showed faith and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I think, really, I think the, the, the more the gospel gets into us, the more it makes us look at everybody differently. We, we, we're looking at different qualities. We're seeing different things. We're impressed by different things. And that, that's a challenge. You know, a lot of these things, wow. You know, there's some, some things you don't think about first when you think about the gospel. That the gospel really ends up changing you in. You just really see in Corinth 
that immaturity. You know, like in First Corinthians, they're just sort of babyish yet. They're, you know, babies are impressed by everything shiny that sparkles and moves and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of the Corinthians. Anything else? All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to have Michael lead us in some songs. And 